This is episode number 147 with Dr. Michelle Pirro. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Today's podcast is brought to you by the brand new certification program created by my health guru and one of my all-time favorite humans on the planet, Dr. Stephen Cabral, naturopathic, functional medicine, and Ayurvedic doctor. Now, if you follow me on social media, you will know that I am obsessed with a Dr. Cabral for many reasons. Firstly, he literally saved Nick's life. And secondly, I love his holistic, whole body, individualized approach to health and healing, which includes the essential Ayurveda, which is why he's the most featured person on my podcast. So if you are a wellness junkie like me, you are not going to want to miss his brand new program, the Integrative Health Practitioner Certification. This is the first of a kind program that fuses ancient Ayurveda wisdom and prioritizes whole body holistic healing. It very carefully takes into consideration that everyone is extremely different with different body types. So there is no one size fits all approach here. His approach is about understanding that the body seeks equilibrium. So his program is about bringing your body back into balance as quickly as possible. This program is so in-depth and insightful, I've never seen anything quite like it. It will arm you with everything you need to know to take your own health seriously to the next level. And you can even choose to become a certified integrative health coach practitioner so that you can help other people achieve amazing health and earn great money doing it. This program is for anyone who wants to take their health and their family's health and healing to the next level. Trust me, I have seen it firsthand when Nick went from struggling after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars over many years and just not being able to get the answers or support he needed, to now being in the best shape of his life with unstoppable energy and a sense of balance and calm that is truly inspiring. It's also for anyone who is already in the health and wellness field and wants to up-level their knowledge and skills, or for anyone who wants an entirely new career as a certified integrative health practitioner. Every module is taken directly from Dr. Cabral's private practice. So you get the exact handouts and protocols that he used with over 250,000 client consults. It's all online and you can go at your own pace, which is awesome. This program has got me seriously excited. Head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash Cabral. That's 
C-A-B-R-A-L to check out all the details on this epic program and take control of your health and future today. Dr. Michelle Pirro is a pediatrician with over 35 years experience in acute and integrative medicine. She has both directed and worked as a physician in New York's Metropolitan Hospital and the Children's Hospital in Oatland. She is a frequent lecturer and consultant and is currently working with Gordon Medical Associates, which is an integrative health center in North Carolina. And in today's episode, we chat about her story from having a very sick child to discovering homeopathy to where she is today, the types of disease and disorders that are on the rise, what is making us so sick, the so-called foods that we must avoid, why we need to eat organic and choose organic, why we need to think before we eat out, why the tampons you use matter, her shocking findings whilst researching for her book, why the science of GM food safety became so controversial and confusing, the importance of your gut microbiome, how to get well and thrive, and how to take back your health, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 147. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Michelle San 66, and it's titled Constantly Learning with Five Stars. And she says, Listening to Mel's podcasts are like starting life all over again, learning about myself, my health, mind, body, and spirit are all growing daily. I feel like I'm finally being educated about life. Every one of the incredible people she interviews should be teaching in our schools. I absolutely agree with you. Our children will hopefully be the next generation of caring, healthy, loving human beings, just like Melissa. Thanks to Melissa. Keep growing, beautiful girl. You are taking us all on an incredible journey. Much love, Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for your beautiful, kind words. And I absolutely agree with you. I would love to see a class in every single school with all of these amazing teachers in it. How awesome would that be? Let's put it out there. You never know, it might happen. So thank you for that beautiful review. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me your review now. And without further ado, let's bring on the amazing, the super knowledgeable Dr. Michelle Pirro. Welcome, Michelle. I am so excited to have you on the show. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Ah, (laughs) hi, Melissa. I would love to share. I had one egg with spinach 
a bit of Parmesan cheese sprinkled with cilantro Mm. and a cup of coffee. And for those Aussies that are listening, cilantro is coriander. (laughs) We call that coriander. The Americans call it cilantro. So for anyone listening, I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you, Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about your story and how you got to where you are today doing the work that you now do. Absolutely. And for your audience, I was not born into this. Oh my gosh, no. I have evolved into this place where I am now. And the way I got into it is I'm a Western allopathic trained physician, pediatric emergency medicine doc. And that's my specialty. And what happened 24 and a half years ago, actually closer, I had a kid. And as with most parents, I'm a pediatrician parent, right? You think I would know it all, except my kid had some health challenges. And through some serendipitous encounters, none through my own brilliance or knowledge, mind you, I had the good fortune of meeting an MD homeopath. And this gal told me what to do, and I did it, and it worked. And I thought, oh my gosh, what the heck is this? And so I hadn't even heard of homeopathy back 25 years ago. So my son gets sick again. I give him these little sugar pills. Lo and behold, he's good again. I'm like, okay, really? I didn't need a third time. Twice was a charm for me. And I started delving into what what are these sugar pills? And I began studying homeopathy, incorporating it into my medicine, eventually shifting out of pediatric emergency medicine into more integrative care. And so now I was running my own little urgent care in my own sweet town in Northern California, a little crunchy hippie town. And there were a bunch of moms who wanted to stop the spray of this nasty pesticide along the entire coast of Northern California, and they needed a doc. And so this mom, who was one of my patients, said, Michelle, we need your help. And Melissa, I didn't want to do it. I was a busy mom. I had a busy practice. I had two small children, overworked, underpaid. You get the program. So you know what I said as a gal? I said, oh, sure. I'd be happy to. And I did it, but reluctantly. And as life has it, I gave a bit, I got a lot more. These gals said, hey, Michelle, what do you think about GMOs? Hmm, not much. Why? Well, read Jeffrey Smith's book, Seeds of Deception. And so fortunately, I have a good habit of listening to smart women. And when smart women speak, I listen, I listened, I read. And my whole world flipped upside down because I was able to link the effects of GMOs and their pesticides with this chronic health complex of children I was beginning to see in my practice. So I know that's an extremely long answer, but Melissa, that's how it all began. Mm. So tell us some of the things that you see. What are the types of diseases and disorders that you see are on the rise? You know, unfortunately, this is really makes me kind of crazy and, and, and enraged, by the way, all of them. But because people want to hear a little bit of statistics, not to make your audience as crazy as I've become with numbers, but I think it's important to know a bit about the math. Here in the U.S. and globally, it's not just an American problem. Let's look at one of my most shocking areas is autism or autistic spectrum disorder. And, you know, we ha- I have tracked rises in it. And now in America, it's affecting one in 34 boys, one in 58 children. And when I was a resident physician, 
you know, many, three decades ago, it was one in 2,500 kids. And since I even wrote that book with my co-author, Dr. Adams, that number has increased because it's gone up since we wrote the book, which if that doesn't shock you, I don't know what will. Food allergies, one in 13 kids has severe food allergies, which does not include the low-grade food intolerances and sensitivities. And I spent some time in Australia a few years ago, and in Melbourne and in Sydney, you guys were having the same issues with food allergies as we are having here in the States. Asthma, one in eight kids who are white, one in six African-American children in the U.S., and asthma is not a benign disease, common, but not benign. And here in the States, we are having an obesity epidemic. It's state by state here in the U.S., anywhere from one in five to one in three children are obese with all the sequelae of obesity, such as hypertension, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, and other things that happen to those poor kids, not to mention the psychosocial things like bullying and low self-esteem. And we have great data on that. So I think your audience gets an idea like, "Uh oh, that we have our children's health is now changed where one in two American kid has a chronic disease. So that's where we're at. Yeah, it's really not a pretty picture that you just painted. And the trajectory that we're going on is really ugly. So, you know, with autism, asthma, all of these things, obesity, all of these things, what exactly is making us so sick? What is it? Well, you know, I I have to be honest. What's making us, our children sick and, and us, you said it correctly, Melissa, it's not just our kids, it's all of us. Us, our wildlife, our bees, our dogs, it's all of us. So, because I, I mean, I see mostly children, but I half of my practice were adults. So I'm very familiar with adult medicine as well. So it's multifactorial. It's the food, it's the environment, it's the EMFs that we have now seen people are trying to roll out 5G. It's the heavy metals, you know, these, right? Plastics, parabens, PVCs, PBA, all these toxins and toxicants that we're seeing. However, what I focused on was food. Because in 1996, there was a rollout of a change in our food to include genetically modified food and pesticides. You don't eat a GMO, which means genetically modified organism without its associated pesticides. Now, that's what I focused on, read extensively on this, studied it, changed people's diets, wrote a book about it, because that is one of the biggest impacts in our lives because we eat and we eat a lot. And food should be nutritional information to run our biologic systems. And when it's been altered in ways that our body has health issues from it, and there's good data, which we can go into, we've got a problem. But I should say we've had a rollout, this industrial food or modern food, as we call it in the book, but without human studies. It's all based on animal literature, no human studies, and we're all eating this stuff for the past 20 years. That in itself is shocking. So pesticides, industrial foods, modern foods, GMO foods, like for someone who's listening and they might be thinking, what the hell are they talking about? Like what <laughs> what does this actually, I mean, I know what it means, but what does it mean and why do we need to avoid them? Because look, if I had a magic wand, what I would do is 
sprinkle this magic fairy wand dust over everyone and get everyone out of the supermarkets and get them to the organic farmers markets and purchasing their produce from a trusted source that hasn't been sprayed, that hasn't been genetically modified, that is real nourishing food, or or people could grow their own. So if I had this magic wand, that is what I would do. But even when people know this information, like I know people that know that there's pesticides on things and genetically modified, yet they still consume it. Why? Why do we do that? Okay. That's it. That's well, here we go. So yes, to the magic wand, I happen to have one in my practice and occasionally we do need a little magic. <laughs> and I, I love magic. I love stickers. Okay. Why? So first of all, we have to wrap around the idea that we have been deceived that these foods, genetically modified and non, are equivalent. That is wrong. They are not. I have great scientific data that shows that these foods are not equivalent. And the genetically modified food has shown to cause significant health issues in lab animals. We know that. To get people to change what they eat culturally is one of the hardest things. And I say that with emphasis because it's so challenging that a clinician does is to get people to change their diets. However, when you have a sick child and that mom is up all night with that kid who's sick with tummy issues, they are off the charts popular right now. There is increased motivation in that family to get that kid well. And that is something I zero in on to get people to change because their kids are sick. They won't do it for themselves, but they'll do it for their kid and or their dog. (laughs) So this idea that these foods are equivalent, toss it. They're not. I can give studies. And if you like, I have the, the data, like I dream of data. Okay. It's in my brain, especially to the dads out there. I, I speak mostly to gals, but dads want numbers. They want stats. They want validity. They want studies. And boy, I let it roll because that's what they want to hear. Okay, fine. So that is one thing. The second thing is that we've been duped by industry to believe that this stuff is all fine and good. There has this, been this massive PR blitz by agribusiness that there is no difference between that genetically modified corn and the organic corn. That is not true. And because of weed resistance to these genetically modified foods, so much more glyphosate, which is the most common sprayed herbicide found in preparations like Roundup, massive increases of um, herbicides and pesticides have to be used, in the, particularly in the past decade. So we're getting more pesticides than ever because when you spray a crop such as corn, soy, or canola, with the, and they're herbicide tolerant, you can spray more. The crop doesn't die, just the weeds around it. So there's been more spraying. We're eating more. So we're getting the toxicity from the genetically modified food, from the pesticide, and together they're yet more toxic. And that's been shown in good data, particularly out of France. So we need families to switch, get out of this convenience model, this drive-through model, this I'm too busy model, get people back in the kitchen. Now notice I said people, not mom, people, children. Children can learn to cook. What a concept. And get everybody back into this idea of food preparation and food shouldn't be a drive-through in a box. It needs to be farm to table, organic markets. Thank you. The periphery of your supermarket. 
if it can sit on a shelf for two years, how healthy do you think it is? Mm, So true. So unless you are buying certified organic or certified spray and chemical free, you are most likely eating Roundup and glyphosate. Is that correct? That is correct. And Australia has genetically modified foods. You guys use as much pesticide and herbicides as we do here in the US. And so you are as well eating GMO, if it's not organic, likely GMO corn, GMO soy, which isn't basically everything, is soy lecithin, particularly processed foods, GMO canola. It's in the alfalfa, genetically modified alfalfa that we feed our livestock. Livestock are getting huge amounts of genetically modified food and their pesticides. It's in foods such as sugar from sugar beets, cotton, heavily genetically modified, and a very heavily sprayed crop. So young women are using tampons, for example, and they're not organic. Guess what? Those genetically modified tampons sprayed with Roundup or other glyphosate-based herbicides we're putting in our ginies all day, young women. Mm. I know. This is the reality. This is what we have to deal with. So we have to know. We have to become educated regarding our food supply, our products, what we put on and in our bodies because pesticides are toxic. And there's so much data on the toxicity of pesticides with and without genetically modified food. And we can link in the show notes any studies that you think would be really supportive for my tribe to get their hands on. For anyone listening who loves some data and science, we can link to that so you can go and check that out. Or maybe you have a partner who likes the data like you mentioned, Michelle. So we'll link to all of that in the show notes. But I just want to reiterate one more time. Unless you are buying certified organic or you're growing it yourself or you are buying chemical and spray-free from the farmer's market, if you are shopping in the supermarket and you're not getting chemical and spray-free or certified organic, you are eating genetically modified or glyphosate or Roundup. And these are so detrimental to our health and not only our health, but our future children's health and We vote with our dollar and every time we hand over money to that supermarket or whatever, we're saying that we believe in that. And this is why I'm such a massive advocate for going to the farmer's market. So I go to the organic farmer's markets every weekend. It's something that I absolutely love doing. I chat to the farmers. I speak to them. I talk. I've been to their farms. You know, I only buy in-season produce. And I cannot tell you how much better I feel, not only in my body, but just knowing that my money is going to that beautiful farmer that I just met or that I just had a conversation with. It is such a beautiful thing that we can contribute to. And like I said, we're voting with our dollar. This is why I don't don't eat out. I don't eat out because not only... Are they not usually using organic produce, but they're usually using seed oils, which again is is just so highly toxic for your body. Melissa, you are my people. Your audience is my peeps. You are my peeps. You are so correct. Get to know your farmer. Shop local. Shop organic. Shop in season. Food is information for your body. 
We wrote about this, Dr. Adams and I, and What's Making Our Children Sick. We have about 250 references and citations. We really tried to present the relationship between health and GMOs and pesticides on our health using my patients. 10 of my patients are in the book. I am with you. I go to the organic farmer's markets. We have an organic store here in town when I can't get to the farmer's market. And I am in the kitchen way more than I ever thought I would be. I'm cooking more now than I ever even used to 20 years ago because I'm with you eating out unless it's an organic restaurant and there aren't that many. You don't know what you're getting. You're not getting quality ingredients and your tummy tells the truth. What people and your listeners also have to appreciate is there is a new field of, a relatively new field of nutrition called nutrigenomics. And it studies the effect of food, not on our genetics, but on our epigenetics. These little proteins that sit above our genetics that shift the way our genes are expressed. So nutrients in food and non-nutrients, such as like herbicides, affect the expression of our genes, our genetic material, and who we are. So we are directly linked as humans by what we eat. It's so important. You are what you eat. You've heard Hippocrates say it. Melissa said it. Michelle is saying it. So this is true. So this beautiful Swiss chard or whatever you're growing in Sydney comes to your plate. That beautiful food is translated into beautiful you. It does make a difference. Absolutely. So for someone listening who might be thinking, well, I eat chemical produce and I feel fine and I have no health issues and my kids are fine and we're all really great. What would you say to that? Well, this is what I say. I say, well, A, I'm glad to hear it, that that's working for you and your family. And I said, but however, there can be some health issues that traditional allopathic or Western trained physicians are not looking for. You also have integrative practitioners, I know in your neck of the woods. And I also know that the Western docs are not looking for the types of issues that we're seeing, such as evidence of leaky gut intestinal permeability, not examined by Western docs, or dysbiosis, which is an imbalance of the germs in your gut in the microbiome, which is key to health, not being examined by Western practitioners. And also people say, we're all healthy. What is she talking about? Well, some people don't recognize that there are subtleties that are indicators of health issues that they're so common that people assume they're normal, that sick is the new normal. For example, I'll give you a very common example. You have a very healthy kid, no problem, but they have these little tiny bumps on their arms, right? They're on both upper arms. They're these little tiny bumps. Doctor will say, the pediatrician says, ah, that's normal, nothing to worry about, called hyperkeratosis. We, as integrative practitioners, practitioners know that's a mild form of eczema, and likely you have low-grade food intolerances, most likely to dairy, commonly, perhaps gluten, and when you remove those foods, those little bumps go away. Now, I'm not worried so much about those little bumps. I am more worried about an indicator of intestinal well-being, so that even if we're healthy now, in 20 years, I don't want you to be that person with inflammatory bowel disease and autoimmune gut disorder, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome or reflux, where your food comes up. You may be fine now, but down the road. And if you're living in the US, I can tell you, I can't find a person who doesn't have a health complaint anymore. 
Mm. It's impossible. All my friends, all their children have health complaints. It's pretty shocking. Mm. And and even if it's not something so extreme, it could just be, you know, they don't sleep well or they're highly stressed or they get bloated after they they eat. And all of those things are signs of an imbalance within our body. And something that I love about you is like you have a very holistic approach to treating your patients. It's not just about one pill that's going to fix everything. You look at the whole body and that's, you know, something that I really love about you. Thank you, Melissa. Yes, holistic approach to health. That is the focus of where we should all be heading, treating ourselves holistically and getting to the root cause, not just symptom management or suppression. Yeah, exactly. So can you talk about some of the most shocking studies and research that you came across whilst you were working on your latest book, where you actually said to yourself, how do people not know this? Like, can you tell us about that? Yes, I can. And I've had many a shocker in this area. Like, you know, so many shocks like, what? You've got to be kidding me. But I'll share one because the researcher who did this work, he's the head of gene expression and gene therapy in London. His name is Dr. Michael Antonio. So Michael did a wonderful study about a year and a half ago where he, he did two studies that shocked my world. He looked at rats. He fed them with his team low, very low doses of Roundup, two parts per billion. That's way lower than we're getting here in the US or you're getting in Australia, even lower than European doses. And what Michael found were those rats went on to develop that Roundup cause, not correlated, but caused something called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Now, people say, what is she talking about? What's this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? Well, it's a silent liver issue now affecting one in four Americans that used to be associated mostly with alcohol. Now we're finding it in people who don't drink, who don't have risk factors. It can go on to finally progress to cirrhosis and it's silent. And he found a causation, a cause from this low dose roundup with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So there's this clear cut issue whether this is happening in humans because of the same thing, we need that study. This was a rat study. But boy, if it's happening rats, we are not so distant from our rat cousins. We need to study this. Then Michael and his brilliance, he looks at the genetic modification process to see if GM foods are equivalent to non-GM. Does a beautiful study in rats. Lo and behold, the GM food using cutting edge technology had all sorts of issues. It caused changes in the proteins, oxidative stress in cells, which is a precursor to cancer, reduced levels of antioxidants like something called glutathione, that these foods were not equivalent. So he clearly showed, and this hadn't been studied in a very long time, and there were other researchers who looked at this, that these foods are not equivalent. So this idea that that GMO corn and that non-GMO corn are the same needs to be discarded. It's just not true. Mm. There are more, but I think the, your listener will get a sense of, yes, we have data. We have information about it. And where they can go, Michael and his team, a, a wonderful scientific journalist, Claire Robinson and scientist John Fagan, have been writing a series of books. Their fourth edition was just released 
called GMO Myths and Truths. And I work with Michael on our website, gmoscience.org. And we bring science and medicine about GMOs and their pesticides on health. And we've formed a website looking at this very issue because we wanted to say, let's really look at this scientifically. Let's go to the science so people can say, show me the science. What information do you have? And that's what we've been doing. And and so there's no juju, frou-frou, no no magic wands. Sorry, people. (laughs) And and that's what we've been finding is just really looking at the data. And it's pretty shocking. Mm. The The science is there. Mm. but not in humans. Yes. Mm. So why has the science of GMO foods say, and the safety become so controversial and confusing? Like, why is it so confusing? Yes. That's why I've asked myself that as well. I'm always careful here because people say, oh, she sounds like a conspiracist, conspiracy theory. Well, actually, no. I've looked at this, um, you know, very rationally and I believe agribusiness, big big industries that you know are involved with the genetic modified food, have purposely made this more difficult and obscured the truth, and have confused readers and listeners, so that they would not question this GMO technology, made it more challenging and more difficult than it needs to be. So there's been an obfuscation and obscuring of truth. Now we know here in the U.S. that Monsanto now bear just got handed back in August a whopping $287 million fine for obscuring the truth about the links of Roundup and cancer. And this victim who developed something called non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was awarded here in the U.S. $287 million. So there has been a hidden truth and purposeful deception and letting a lot of readers and listeners believe that genetic modification is nothing more than hybridization. The way that, you know, we've been doing crops for for centuries, that was a purposeful intention to confuse people. So there has been ways, and if you look at some of the pro-GMO sites, they're amazing. They're, they're well-oiled PR campaigns that I read those sites sometimes and go, wow, this stuff looks great. That's how successful they've been. They have big pockets, deep pockets rather, lots of money. And they've been confusing the, the reader. And also industry, when we've tried to label these foods so people can choose what they want to eat, have poured here in the U.S. millions of dollars, millions by something called the Grocery Manufacturers Association, so that we could not get our foods labeled and so we don't know what we're eating. You can't track diseases when you don't have them labeled. Wow. And for anyone listening who's thinking, okay, this it is a little bit overwhelming or it's a bit confusing, just strip it back. If in doubt, if you are unsure whether your produce has chemicals or pesticides or GMO or Roundup or any of those things on it, the safest thing for you to do is head to the organic farmer's market or grow your own produce. I think that's really important that everyone just starts to get back out into the garden and get back into the kitchen, that is how you're going to take control of your health and your happiness and your family's health and happiness. Stop putting your power outside of yourself and reclaim that power by taking back control and saying, no, I am in control of my health and my happiness and my family's, and this is what I'm going to do about it. Indeed. Not only that, 
In 2012, there was great data which showed that women spend 90% of the household budget. So what that says is that women are in charge and we put our money where our mouth is. So what I say, since most, many people in health are tend to be women, in general, women tend to care for the health of their children in general. I'm also for the men, but women tend to do this more. So we are dictating the, our health through our food, where we spend our money. And I say, yes, get in the garden, learn to grow your own. Even if you just start with some herbs in your kitchen window, it's not that hard. There are YouTubes on everything now. You can YouTube how you start your tomato garden or whatever you like to do. It's so tasty. Get into the farmer's market, take the kids with you, let them pick the tomatoes or the veggies or the carrots, let them help you prep. So what if the kitchen gets messy? You know, that it's okay. Nobody dies with a a messy kitchen with the kids in there. Kids can learn to chop. They're not going to cut their fingers off. You know, you teach them how to use knives. You teach them how to scrunch things with their fingers. They have a great time. This is what we need to do. We need to get back in there and teach our children the messages behind communal cooking, communal eating, and the beauty that that brings. That's what we need to do. And this is a family event. I couldn't support this more with you about this idea of getting back into the community. And it can be overwhelming. So I too tell people, start slow. What can you do? Can you make one change? Can you make three? It could be overwhelming. Like when I hear people say, I can't do it. Is there anything you can do? Can you just buy your organic produce? Is there just one thing that you can do? So I say, some of us are unloading our pantries. Some of us, can only do one thing. I say start wherever you can start, whether it takes a day or a month or a year. And what I tell people to do is like they say, well, my pediatrician never said this. Why should I believe Dr. Perro? I say, you shouldn't. You make the change for yourself. You eat organic food for a month. Give it a month and see how you feel. And people come back to me and they say, oh my God, what the heck? I didn't even realize I didn't feel well. So I switched my food. Yeah. And that's just one element of it. And then you can go through your whole home and detox out all of the toxic cleaning products and beauty products and everything else. And that's another whole episode that we can chat about another time. But yeah, that that's just one area. Food is just one area. Like you said before, the EMFs, the environment, the plastics, the metals, like this is, it goes on and on. But when I learned about this stuff eight years ago, I went through my whole house and literally detoxed my entire life. I was one of those people that went cold turkey. I went into my kitchen and into my bathroom with a massive, big, black rubbish bag, and I just got rid of everything. When I learned just about how much toxicity was in some of the products that I was using, the cleaning products, the beauty products, my food. And so if you are an all or nothing person like I was back then, go for it. Go cold turkey. Get rid of everything. But if you you know, want to start slower, then do what's right for you. And maybe just tomorrow you buy a few organic pieces and then you know, next week you increase it. But like you said, it's after a couple of weeks that you'll really start to feel the difference. You'll have, you know, your eyes will start to glow and 
your skin will glow and you'll have more energy and you'll sleep better. It's all these little things that you'll start to notice. Unless you have been living under a rock, everybody knows, I, well, I feel like everybody knows now just how important the gut is and the gut microbiome. And, you know, with all the data out there about the gut being our second brain, you know, the research is emerging almost daily on the role of the microbiome in human health. It seems like an important direction that the research has to go in order to see, you know, how we can fully be the best version of ourselves and how we can just step into our true brilliance. And if we don't have that fundamental, you know, good gut bacteria going on, it affects every area of our life, not just our health but it affects our mood. It affects everything. So can you talk about any new studies that have been done in this area or, or you know, what are, what are your thoughts on this microbiome? Oh, you, you, boy, you must be a fly on the wall in my office. The microbiome is the key, one of the key leading areas of research to health right now. The literature is inundated with new studies on the relationship of microbiome, immune health, brain health, autoimmunity, autism, and it plays a role in just about every aspect of our lives. The microbiome, we are anywhere from one to one, from one to 10 human to microbial cells. It varies. And having a robust, diverse microbiome is one of the key components to health. The microbiome is so important. And it's not just in our guts, it's in our eyes, on our skin, in our teeth. We have micro, different microbial communities everywhere that we call the microbiome now an organ. Now, what has happened to our beautiful microbiome is that it's been under siege. And one of the things that it's under siege by is in addition to the antibiotics that we're on for illness, kids are sick, adults are sick, antibiotics placed in livestock feed to make them fatter, that glyphosate is also was also marketed by Monsanto at the time as an antibiotic. So we who are eating this glyphosate every day have our, our microbiome affected by it, which has been shown to be true in chickens and cows and is presently being studied by colleagues of mine on humans as we speak in Europe. Most of these studies are coming out of Europe. Now, to what we now know about this microbiome is that they're beneficial and more pathogenic. And we know that there are certain organisms that we're seeing more in certain issues. So for example, kids on the spectrum with autism have found to have high levels of a certain type of microbe called clostridial species. Low amounts in balance are fine. When they are out of balance because the beneficial bacteria have been killed off by glyphosate, they grow and they can, they can modulate mood, behavior, and health. It is just shocking. For example, so that's one aspect. It also when our microbiome is out of balance because the lactobacilli and other helpful organisms are killed off, glyphosate selectively kills them off, as well as other things, by the way, we can have an overgrowth of yeast. And I don't think any listener out there is unfamiliar with the idea of yeast overgrowth, candidiasis. Everybody has heard of yeast and yeast syndromes and anti-candida diets and all this kind of thing. Yeast is pretty well known. We all have a little bit. That's fine. When it gets out of balance, too much, no good. 
and it's been found in kids on the spectrum and, and people with tick-borne illnesses such as chronic Lyme and people with mold issues, which is also a, a big problem. Let's say autoimmune disease. You are unfortunate to have rheumatoid arthritis. There have been organisms that are found, such as proteus, that are linked to rheumatoid arthritis. So we need to feed our microbiome. What does the microbiome like to eat? Oh, it likes fiber. Where do you find fiber? Veggies, fruits and veggies. Just what grandma said, eat your vegetables. So we need to love our microbiome, care for it, not destroy it, because it also is responsible for immunity. It teaches your newborn infant how to create something called innate immunity. And it's also one of your first lines of detoxification is the microbiome. So if it is not robust, if it has been compromised, if there is too many bad bugs in there, it can't function as well as we need it to. And an entire organ in our bodies is not working well. Now, the biggest literature that's something I have been waiting for for decades is a link to mental health, depression, anxiety, OCD, exploding among people, uh, violence, and the microbiome. Yes, and people who, when you, when you affect the microbiome, there is improvement in mental health issues. Our brains are not cut off at the neck. It's all related. And so that is an area of research that I have been following. Very exciting. And so people say, well, how do I fix my microbiome? Well, a simple thing they can do at home, Melissa, without going back out and buying probiotics, is to eat more fermented foods and to include apple cider vinegar in their diets, organic. And that apple cider vinegar is also used in livestock to combat glyphosate. So fermented foods, apple cider vinegar, and I, many of my patients I prescribe different probiotics, even specifically certain types of organisms where I'm trying to make a switch. But I tell people, make sure you eat vegetables, you will affect your microbiome. And if you could eat fermented foods, put that sauerkraut juice in your kids' food, you are doing them a huge service. So for someone listening who doesn't have a doctor who is open to the conversation about toxicity and nutrition and the role of the gut and the microbiome, what can they do? Great question. So it's often hard to find integrative practitioners like me or functional medicine docs or integrative DOs, doctors, osteopathy or chiropractors. And so I say you can make these changes at home. There is a whole network of moms out there changing their kids' health. You know, I tell pediatricians, people, I suggest you Google this because there's a mom's network out there transforming <laughs> their kids' lives with autism and ADHD and asthma, just to name the first three A's. Now we haven't even gotten to the B's. So, so what can moms do? So what, what I tell, this is what I say to do. I say one, eat organic. Two, get a simple water filter. Three, take your shoes off at the door. Four, decrease your toxic products, cleaning personal and otherwise, so that your child and yourself, the terrain, both the internal and external terrain, can recover. And one thing I am working on is a, a boot camp with a colleague, Rina Jadev, who transformed her own health, where we're doing a boot camp for children on how parents can change their kids' lives and giving them a whole boot camp instructions. And this will be out soon. This is a project I'm working on. On so how you can do it at home, because I don't think it's easy to find 
and particularly for children, integrative practitioners. Adults, I think it's a bit easier, but people, mm, kids, it's often a challenge. So I say, you know what? Take control of your own life. You can do this. Change your food. And if your kid has issues, ADHD, autism, I'd say get them off gluten and dairy. There are different diets you can try. GAPS diet, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, Weston Price, Sally Fallon Morell. Get some cookbooks, go online, go to the library, and begin to read how you can transform your own health, your own child's health, your dog's health through diet. And this is how we start. You can do it at home. For those with more serious illnesses, if you have a kid with autism, you it's really challenging. It's much easier to work with somebody, work with an integrative practitioner if you can, but we can take control. Mm, absolutely. And often we have to, we have to take back that control and do the best that we can do in our own home. Create your home as a wellness sanctuary. What happens when you go outside, you know, you have to let go of and surrender. You know, you're going to be breathing in pollution from cars and things like that. But when you're in your home, you can create the most beautiful wellness sanctuary with organic food and and really great sleep environments and calm environment. Uh, You know, get rid of all of the blue light and just create a beautiful sanctuary for you and your family to thrive in. No one's going to do it for you. We have to take back control and do this ourselves. I couldn't concur more, and this is doable. And uh, sometimes I've had many a teary mom in front of me, and I say, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to cry. And then we need to get angry. We need to get back in there, and we need, and we have each other. We can support each other in doing it. Friends groups, um, beautiful podcasts like yours, that, that there are there are so many tools out there to help people get started. And the first place you start is in your kitchen. Step yeah. one, start in the kitchen, start with organic food. And I tell patients when people work with me, I said, if you're not going to switch to organic, it's unlikely I'm going to get you better. And if I do get you better, it's not going to hold. It's not going to last. So until you're ready to make that commitment, don't waste your time or your money with me. Mm-hmm. Decide what it is that you need to do to make the change. What's holding you back? Where's your block to cure? Why are you resistant? And then come back when you're ready. And when you're ready to really dig in and make the change with your whole family and with your friends, make it a friends project. It doesn't have to be some lonely road. Do this with your gal friends. You know, make it a joint project. Cook for each other. You don't have to cook every night. You cook one night for a family or friend. They cook the other night and share your food. It makes it more fun. So we can do this together. We can do this online. There are so many ways that we can figure out how to do this. This doesn't have to be like, oh my God too scientific. It's lonely. It's too hard. Nope. We simplify it. And I just say, I never give moms, for example, more than three things to do. But my first rule of thumb is start with the organic. Yeah. I love that. That's so easy to do. And I love that you said, you know, sharing the food. It's a really beautiful thing. It's something that I'm really passionate about as well. I love sharing meals. We have friends over for dinner at our house often because we love that whole experience that we get to share. So could you tell us now, what do you attribute all of your success to? What is there one thing that you attribute your success to? 
Yes. I mean, there, you know, it's a good question because there's so many things to, to be successful in this world. But I tell you, some of my successful tools is that I have evolved with my families. So I did not ma- remain stagnant into a medicine that I learned 37 years ago. I keep learning and growing. And when I don't understand something, I ask questions. If something's not right, I ask questions. I talk to people like, what's going on here? And so as I learned more and more, my toolbox kept expanding. I wasn't frightened by the changes or things that I used to do that now I say, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that. What were we thinking? We didn't know. So my toolbox is keep. I, it keeps growing. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, yet another pediatric metaphor. You just have a bigger toolbox of everything at your disposal. So now, for example, yes, I use nutrition in my prescriptions. I use homeopathy. I use herbs. I refer for manipulative medicine with osteopaths or, or acupuncture, whatever the patient may need. So my toolbox keeps growing. Meditation, mindfulness keeps growing, keeps growing. As I learn more, I find, oh, when I have a patient, yes, why don't you try this therapy? I can filter it down. So that's one tool success is to stay open and to keep learning along with my patients. When my parents come to me, adults, kids, and they say, can you explain this? And I can't. And if I can't simply explain something, I don't know it. I go read about it. I research it. I tell people, not sure. I'm going to get back to you on that. Do a bit of my homework and I get back to people. And I follow people along. If they're not getting better, I have not gotten to the root cause. Maybe they they get a bit better and then they get stuck. I haven't figured out the real root cause, which is blocking their cure because the body inherently knows how to heal itself. And what I have to do is to support you to figure it out. And together, notice I say together, it's not me. It's all of us on a team working for your health. I'm just kind of coordinating. I'm like the little guy in the front with a little wand, you know, leading the orchestra. And so together we create a treatment plan and we keep digging until we get to that root cause and fix it. So we we don't stop until we have it sorted out. And we look at the body as a biologic system. We are not along a kidney and a brain. You are an integrated organism where everything is talking to everything and we need to support those communications So as you initially said, so you can be your best self. I think you said that rather beautifully. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful that there are people like you out there doing this work and being so open and continuously learning and growing. I believe we're a student for life and that we need to stay open. and And I love that about you so much. But let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides your book, what book would you choose? Because let's just face it, your book needs to be in the curriculum. Everyone needs to read it. Yes. But what one other book would you choose to put in the school curriculum for high school students? If I had my magic wand, I would have to put in that every student should read Rachel Carson, A Silent Spring. Rachel Carson is the pioneer of the environmental movement. She wrote about it in nineteen early 1960s with DDT, the pesticide that nearly wiped out the bird population and us. We stopped spraying it here based on her work, her untimely end, 
in uh, from cancer, and I, I have often wondered about that. But she was a health pioneer when women were not even allowed to have these conversations, even to be in science. So I'd have every high school student read Rachel Carson and A Silent Spring. Beautiful. We'll link to that in the show notes so everyone can go and check that out. I haven't read that one, so I will be adding that to my list. It's beautiful. Yes. Let's talk about now how your day looks. I love hearing about how people set themselves up for their day, how they prime themselves for their day. So do you have a morning routine and can you talk us through that? Yes. So because of the book and the book tour, and I teach a lot right now and I supervise in a clinic, I'm not in the clinic as much as I used to be, although I do work in urgent care, which has been fabulous because I get to see kids acutely, make changes, give them supplements and vitamins to get them back on to roads to help when they have things like sore throats and coughs and God knows everything else. But my routine, I eat a very keto-like diet. I eat almost very little carbs in my diet. And that's how I start my day with a lovely keto meal. And what that means is I really focus on my proteins and my veggies. That's what I do. And then I have this great meal and then I sit down to work and I do a lot of work. When before lunch, before I start my lunch break, before and I'm usually writing or teaching, and if I'm not in the clinic, then I, I exercise almost every day. And my exercise, I rotate it. So I'm biking, I'm doing things that improve my posture, I'm doing mindfulness walks in nature. I try to get out in nature as much as I can. I take my bike wherever I can go and not get in a car. And I do that and I keep rotating it. But I make sure that for me, I dance every week because dance is something that gives me joy, gets me out of my head. So I can balance the two sides of my body, my sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, my overdrive and my relaxation parts of my persona, because me, Michelle personally, can go into overdrive and I need to, whoa, I am in overdrive. I need to bring up my relaxation. So for me, it stands. And then I usually work more and then I start prepping dinner and I get our dinner ready in my family. My husband works long shift. He's also an emergency room physician. And so I have no problem getting in the kitchen and make another protein and veggie tonight. For example, before I got on here, I was prepping some turkey meatballs to put in a chicken vegetable soup. We're not vegetarian. We do eat free range, grass fed, grass finished beef from my dear friend, Howard, Howard Vlieger's organic meat farm. And I've been touring with Howard Vlieger. He's an amazing third generation organic farmer. I eat this beautiful meat with my husband and and then I do a lot of reading. And, um, you know, I travel a lot right now because of, you know, the book and teaching. And traveling is so hard to stay on a healthful diet. So what I need to do and what I try and do is I take all my supplements with me. I do take a, a fair amount of supplements, Melissa. And, and I choose very carefully what I take because they're all not equal. And when I travel, it's not always organic. I try and help my liver but I don't eat GMOs when I travel. I avoid soy, corn, and canola. You, you know, you eat out a lot. Tend to stick to the salads. I ask for olive oil and vinegar when I, you know, for, so it's not a canola-based dressing. And so I try to eat as well as I can with my friends, enjoy my food, 
not creating neuroses. The idea is not to get so neurotic or praised about what I'm eating. Can't always find organic. That's okay. And so, and I drink lots of water, filtered water, and I don't like plastic bottles, you know, glass. I bring my own when I travel or aluminum, not aluminum, stainless steel bottle, no aluminum. Take that back. Got rid of all the aluminum cookware a decade ago. And I really try and keep my body hydrated because cells have this beautiful matrix around them. The way they communicate with each other is through this matrix. This matrix is called the extracellular matrix. needs to stay hydrated. So I tell folks, we are under hydrated. Drink water and put some, some mint in there or apple or a strawberry or whatever, organic preferably. Mint is so easy to grow. Everyone should be growing mint. Throw some in your water with a little lemon. It's delicious. So stay hydrated mm. and, and make sure you're pooping every day. People say, oh, really? I'm like, yes, poop and drink. So if you can do anything, if you can do that for your body, you're doing really well. So that's kind of how I shape my day, how I shape my life, how I keep it robust. Try to keep balance. It doesn't always work. Work, play, the eating sometimes like, oh, no, that didn't go well. And I'm not striving for perfection. I'm just trying to feel as well as I can and enjoy and finding laughter and community. That's that's how I kind of shape my life so I can be that person that I want to be. Beautiful. I think that's a really important point. It's not to get so stressed and rigid about it. It's just you do your best and you make the best choices that you can and then you just let it go and have fun and enjoy and laugh and for example, my husband and I were recently traveling in America and we went to this really, we searched out, we always do a lot of research before we get to a place and we find all of the organic cafes and we find the organic farmers markets and we do our research. And so we landed in Salt Lake City and we found this organic cafe that we were going to go have lunch at. So we got there, we had this beautiful lunch. It was all organic, delicious. And as soon as I started eating it, my stomach started growling and and I started getting bloated. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I thought, I wonder, I wonder what that is. And maybe they maybe they cooked with canola oil oil or maybe, you know, some other seed oil. Surely not. It's an organic cafe. Surely not. And just as we were leaving, I said to my husband, I'm just gonna go ask. And I just went up and I said, Hi, just wondering what oils you cook with. And they said, canola. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> Yep. Oh yep. my goodness. Like here I am thinking, you know, this beautiful organic cafe is fully legit and they're not. They don't. They don't know. They do not know. And that's not I wasn't angry or anything. I just, you know, I should have asked because it's my responsibility to ask as well, and I usually do, but for some reason I didn't ask in this situation because I just presumed being a fully organic cafe that they would not cook in canola oil. But guys, they do. And the reason they do is because they're flavorless and they're a lot cheaper. So make sure you always ask. I bang on and on about this and I've spoken about it so much on my podcast. Every restaurant and cafe that I ever go to when I'm traveling the first question I ask is, what oils do you cook with? Usually I will call up beforehand and ask them, or when I get there and they'll say, we've, you know, we've got 
olive oil or we've got canola oil and I'm and I just tell them I'm allergic to canola oil because no one should be eating that it's it to- it's toxic for all of us so don't be afraid to speak up and ask and you can do it politely just you know don't be afraid and you're paying for that meal and yes people think oh fruits and vegetables are organic they're not looking at their spices their oils the other things that people just because they're cheaper they're shopping in you know bulk stores like Costco they're not buying the organic stuff so i'm with you and now for example, we have Costco here in America. This, this is like, you know, this massive shopping thing. And so the organic stuff, for example, the organic olive oil now in Costco is the same price as the regular olive oil. So there's the, mm-hmm. so no reason not to buy the organic. The prices have equalized. And I say, it's your money. Exactly. Ask, you know, what's in your food? What am I eating? Where do you get this from? And so when... When all else fails, I eat the salad and I ask for olive oil and vinegar. At least I know I'm getting olive oil, perhaps not organic, but that's what I try and do. And I agree with you. You you just have to do the best you can. It's not always ideal, but when you're eating those things, there are some things you can take along with you, such as your probiotics, your digestive enzymes perhaps may help you out. I have homeopathic remedies I use. I'd rather not, but occasionally we need some help. We get in that trouble that you are in and I'm so on board. Don't be afraid to speak up. Oftentimes we don't, well, we don't want to make a scene or we don't want to embarrass the restaurant. You're about to pay a lot of money for that meal. So find out what you're eating. Exactly. You have the right to know. And, you know, if you do, you know, in my case, I didn't have any activated charcoal on me. I wish I did in that moment because I would have had some straight after. But, you know, you could always get some activated charcoal and have some of that too. Yes, I I support that. I love charcoal too. And another quick trick, and if you can't get any of that, get a little apple cider vinegar, organic, with a little bit of water and drink that down. That might just set you straight. Oh, great. Thanks for that tip. Yes, my pleasure. All right, I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so in your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Just one thing. The one thing you can do is shop organic. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, what is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. For more abundance, I would say gratitude and opening your heart. Share. Open your heart and when you share, you give, you get back more than you've given. Beautiful. I love that. And what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? I would say, and this is particularly true to women, is start with yourself. Love yourself for who you are. Accept yourself for who you are with all your perfections and imperfections. And when that acceptance and there is that self-love, easy to emanate love for others. Yeah, absolutely. We have covered so much. This has been such a great conversation. Is there anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom? I would say, Melissa, you have done your homework. You have been absolutely delightful to chat with. I think your listeners are fortunate to have you available in, in your area in Sydney, If there's any parting words that I would give your listeners is that if they start on their health journey, that they have fun with it. 
This is not a school assignment. This is not like, oh my God, no way. That they, if they can change their attitude, their mental attitude, mental attitude manipulation affects health. And so if they can develop a positive attitude to these changes and not see it as something that they have to do or a negative, that positive attitude can reshape your brain wiring, has a positive effect on your brain and your overall health and your gut. The brain and the gut are constantly chatting with each other. There's a constant communication right up this nerve called the vagus nerve. So what I say is it starts with you. Change your attitude, enjoy and embrace the journey of change, and you'd be surprised what you're going to find. Such an important message and such an important thing to leave on. So I'm so grateful that you shared that. It's really, really imperative that we have fun on this journey. Don't take it so seriously. Don't take your health so seriously and get so stressed about it. No, take your health seriously, I mean, but don't get so stressed about it. Have fun. You know, make it fun. Go to the farmer's markets, get in the kitchen, just play and have fun because ultimately that is why we are here. Not to be stressed out of our eyeballs, but to have fun. So thank you so much for mentioning that. Now, I have one last question for you, and I am a massive believer in service. And I want to know what I can do and the listeners today can do to serve you. How can we serve you? Oh, gosh, call to action. I love ending on that. Now, what's the call to action? The call to action for your community is following. In, back in the day, because I've been doing this, helping people for almost four decades, I have to say, if you do, if you change yourself, your family, boy, that change will emanate. But I don't say that anymore. I say we need to do more. Each one of us needs to do something. And I think we need to get out of our own comfortable comfort zone, be a little bit uncomfortable, and make a change, whether it's in your local church, your school, your government, your local government, and in, in your town that speak up, have a voice. It matters. And when we join, multiple voices are more powerful than one alone. That if, if, you're, if they're spraying at your kid's school, that's not okay. If in your town, they're spraying the meridians around uh, the gardens where your dogs and your kids play, that's not okay. So I suggest that we all need to become citizens, citizen activists, and citizen scientists. And whatever interests you, it doesn't have to be what interests me. Take it for what interests you. Perhaps it's the 5G they're trying to roll out on us on EMFs. Perhaps it's your kid's school. Perhaps it's something else. But follow your passion because when we follow our passion and we, when we all have that sense of purpose, it's fulfilling, it's enriching. We become our better ourselves and we fulfill this call to action where we're going to make our communities better. If it's better for you and your families, it'll be better for everyone. So I'm asking people to step up out of their comfort zone. Thank you so much. We will definitely do that. We all rise together. And when we join together, we're so much more powerful. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for this beautiful interview. I have loved chatting with you. Your book is amazing. We'll link to it in the show notes. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for blazing the trail that you blaze. I'm so grateful that we've been able to connect and just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it so much, Melissa. I really enjoy being here with you today. And I just really love the fact that we can have this global connection between Northern California and, and Sydney, Australia. 
So how wonderful is that, that we now have a global community where we're supporting each other. So thank you as well. Today's episode was full of so many great reminders. I got so much out of it. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together and we can help people get healthier and happier together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 147. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. Another thing I wanted to mention was that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex, All you have to do is head on over to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And when you're there, you will also get access to my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you because we love you. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and leave me that review right now. I will be so, so grateful. And I love reading them all. They're the best. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best and healthiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this particular episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this information into their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.